We shall be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 5 to 18. Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 5 to 18. For he did not subject to, subject to angels the world to come, concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who has made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with the glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Praise the Lord for the reading of his word. We can now all take our seats. It is good to see you again this Sunday. We shall continue the series on the book of Hebrews. Today we shall expound or exposit on Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 18. And the title of today's sermon is God's Plan for Man. Although within the context, it is still Christ is greater than the angels. Although the writer of Hebrews segued into an application, therefore do not neglect so great a salvation. And then he went on to discuss God's plan for man, but it is still about Christ greater than the angels. But we are blessed and fortunate that the writer gave a short portion to God's plan for man. The author of Hebrews emphasized that Christ is better than the prophets and he is superior to angels. Furthermore, the author declared that the Son of God is also God, for God called his Son God. Yet this God, for a season, made himself lower than the angels through a human form. The word of God 
became flesh and blood, that he may suffer, die, and rise again. Thus he brought many into glory, calling them his brothers and sisters. His suffering and death paid for their sins, our sins. And his resurrection defeated death. Christ opened the way to bringing humans into God's family. Previously, the writer of Hebrews warned against neglecting so great a salvation and the consequences that follow it. Those who disobeyed the covenant that the angels delivered suffered. How much more those who would reject the covenant delivered by the Son of God himself. Thus, nobody should reject the gospel. The author of the epistle further expounded on God's plan for all whom he sanctified in Christ. God intended man to rule or administer his creation, not the angels, which Jewish people highly esteem. God's plan for man. Let's look at that. God planned that man would administer the world to come, not angels. The author quotes Psalm chapter 8 to prove his point. Although God made man lower than the angels, God appointed his creation to be subject to man. Yet we do not see this yet. What we see is Christ and his finished work on the cross, which is our hope. Let us read chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. For he did not subject to angels the world to come, concerning which we are speaking. Now, the world to come is believed by many is what you found in the book of Revelation, the millennial kingdom, because the world here implies an inhabited world. It is not the celestial world. It's not the new heaven. It is an er, a inhabited world, meaning there would be people on this earth or in this world. The writer assumed that the people knew what he was talking about. But let's, let's read further, verse 6. But one has testified somewhere saying, I'm sure the author knew who testified, okay? Because he was writing it verbatim from the Old Testament. It is just a way of speaking, a figure of, or a, a style of speaking. And it says here, what is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And yes, that was God's plan for man, that man would take dominion over God's creation. But we know that man messed up, man sinned, and we lost that. Somehow we still exercise it, but not to the full fullness of what it could be without the fall of man. The author of Hebrews did not explain about the world to come, 
But scholars believe that the world to come is an inhabited earth, as I said earlier, which would most likely be the millennial reign of Christ in the world. God will renew the earth, and the earth will have new inhabitants. The world to come will be a better world. Isaiah prophesied of this world to come, and even the animals would behave differently. The author of Hebrews did not explain. Again, he did not explain. He assumed that the listeners understood what he was talking about. But he corrected what they misunderstood, which was what? That the world to come would not be ruled by angels, but by man. And he corrected that because the Jewish believers, or even even um, uh, the Jewish people, not just believers, somehow have that in their tradition that angels rule. They are higher than man. And yes, we are a little lower than the angels in terms of our physical abilities. But in terms of God's plan, God planned that man would be crowned with glory and would rule on his behalf. That was God's plan. Arthur Pink said, God has placed man, not angels, at the head of the future economy, the world to come. The design of God in that economy is to raise man to the highest place of all among his creatures. And that design has been secured by Christ becoming man and dying and thus obtaining for himself and his people that state of transcendent dignity and honor which the psalmist prophesied should be possessed by man in the age to come. We will explain this further. We should celebrate then God's plan for man. But man rebelled against God, thus man lost his way. If we look at our present state, we see that humankind in general ignore God uh, or rebel against him. We cannot even administer properly the earth that he gave us. For selfish benefit, the earth has declined in its own health. That is our present state. Man cannot find his way back to God because man is incapable of seeking God. We've read that in Romans, that nobody seeks God unless the Holy Spirit opens the door for us, unless the gospel, unless we respond to the gospel the way he wants us to respond to the gospel. Only through Christ can man find his way to God. Only through Christ. Christ fulfilled the plan. Point number two, the fulfillment of Psalm 8 is in Christ. The word became flesh or man. The word flesh is man. The word became man and dwelt among us. Then Christ had to taste suffering and death for everyone. And uh, that is a necessity, was a necessity, through which he brought many sons into glory. Both the sanctifier, Christ, and those who are sanctified, God's chosen people, are from the Father. Thus Christ calls them his brothers. The The word of God is God. 
Okay, let's say that again. Oh, I'll say that again. And we have been saying that again and again. The Word of God is God. But He became man to dwell among us. Why? He identified with man. Now, don't forget Romans 8. We're still discussing that. The author is still discussing that. Because in Romans 8, about, I mean, Psalm 8, I'm sorry, Psalm 8, we're still discussing Psalm 8. And if you look at Psalm 8, we are nowhere to that glory that God planned for man. But Christ had to redeem man, and he can only do that to be a representative of man, the man who committed no sin. So he is God, yes, but he was also man because he felt our hunger, our thirst, our weariness. He felt the temptation that we experience, like any other man. Yet he prevailed. I'd like to read John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, just to make sure you it goes into your mind what scriptures to quote. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it's clear that in the beginning was the Word, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's an interplay of words saying they are one, yet they have two persons. Again, I have shared to you before one explanation given to us was uh, to explain the Trinity, it's hard for us to comprehend logically because we are one in being and one in person. God is one in being, three in persons. One and three in person. We are one, one. However, this is clear. The Word was God. And in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, he is the word that became flesh, meaning became man. And the apostle said, we saw his glory. And what glory was that? The only begotten. Now, we mentioned that when we say begotten, one meaning is that of that is the only begotten is status, or firstborn is status. But there's another meaning to it. He is the only one with the same essence and nature as the Father. That's why nobody else can be begotten. You see, if you see some of our children or your children, or look at your fathers, people would say, Oh, you look like your dad. Oh, you look like your mom. Oh, parang may hawig kayo. You got his mannerism. Why? Somehow you came from the same essence, the same DNA. That's why there are features that, that reflect your parents. Christ, the Word of God, became flesh, begotten, the only begotten. Why is he the only begotten? He is the only one with the same essence and nature as God because he himself is God. The Word of God made himself a little lower than the angels by becoming a man. Let it be clear that Christ was still God when he was on earth. He could command the angels if he wanted to. To be clear, he made himself lower voluntarily than the angels when he took bodily form. What does that mean? 
voluntarily limiting himself physically, but in essence and nature within him, he never lost his being God. However, there was part of man that he needed to experience. He needed to experience us to represent us that would fulfill Psalm 8. He needed to represent us to be counted as one of them. His physical body was limited like any human body. But remember this, it was God humbly taking the form of a man. Now that is humility. God already God. And then taking the form of man to save man. And uh, it's hard to put into an analogy. It's, think about this. If some creature on this earth that you don't mind too much, that you have no reason to remember or care for, yet you have to save them. Imagine the ants, for example. They may not abhor you. Sometimes they irritate you especially if they're all over the house, then you would become an ant to save the ants. It takes extreme humility to do that, but of course you don't have the power to do that. Let's read chapter 2, verses 9 to 13. Let's absorb the word of God. So the writer of Hebrews says, but we do see him. Before that, we don't see that happening to man, uh, the the one who rules the earth and crowned with glory. We don't see that, but we see Christ. That's the philosophy. That's the logic. I mean, that's the theology, but we see Christ. We don't see us there because man failed. We're still trying to rule the earth, but we're not doing a good job on it. Uh, however, we see Christ. So verse 9, but we do see him who was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. So because of his suffering and death, he was crowned with glory and honor. And that was supposed to be for man. A man crowned with glory and honor by God so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Of course, we know, we keep saying that his death is sufficient for everyone but efficient only for those who would follow him, only to those who would repent and believe. So it's efficient for everyone, but it's not automatic that all men shall be saved. It's like the door is open. What should you do? Turn away from that direction and turn to him. Turn away from sin. Turn away from your selfish life. Turn away from just following you, but right now follow Christ. And that is about faith, and that is about repentance. Verse 10, For it was fitting for him, for when, whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Why was it fitting for him? Because he became man. He sacrificed himself for man. So it was fitting for him, it was right for him. Kung sa Tagalog, may karapatan siya, iligtas tayo, kasi naging tulad natin siya. For both he, okay, let me finish that. 
and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. He had to suffer to pay for our sins. Verse 11, I, I, I love this verse. Because of his death and suffering and resurrection, verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. The one who, is, who sanctifies Christ and all who are sanctified by him are from the Father. And uh, you would read this many times also in the Gospel of John, where Christ keeps saying that those who believe are the gift of God to him. So we could say that we were saved for Christ. We are the Father's gift to the Son. That's in one angle to see that. And the term born from above, born from above is the same. You see, when translators do translation, they have to choose which would they believe is the closest wording or the closest meaning of a text. Because from the lang original languages, which is uh, mostly Greek for the New Testament, to translate it to different languages, it wasn't immediately English then. There was a time it was Latin, and Latin to English, until they, they went back to, to the original and translated it directly. And uh, the other meaning of the word born from above is the word born again. But if we only understood what that meant, what that meant is God himself giving you a new heart, a new birth, not just saying a sinner's prayer. That is not evidence of Christianity. Saying a sinner's prayer, going through an altar call, accepting Jesus through a short prayer is not the gospel command. The command was repent. Repent is a hard word. Only those called by God could repent. Only those with the aid of the Spirit can repent. But what do we do? We still proclaim it, even though it is God's work. We proclaim it because we were commanded to proclaim. But if you don't want to repent of your sin, that is a clear sign that you are not born from above. You are not born of God. You see, I like both terms, born from above and born again. Why? If you experience the new birth, every baby longs for milk. They cry for it. A baby who does not cry for milk is not alive, is dead. A person truly born from above, born again in the spirit, longs for milk. And what is milk? The word of God. If you don't long for the word of God, you have not been born from above. Not yet. So what do you do? Well, humble yourself before God. Lock yourself in the room and pray. And say, by your grace, Lord, I repent. Forgive me. Save me. I want to be saved. But only you can do that. Only you can give me a new heart. Only you can give me a new spirit. He will write his law in your heart that you want to do it. They are both from one father. But the point of the Hebrews, let me go back, is that they are one, one family. That's the point. That's, the sanctifier is Christ and the sanctified are from the father. They are one family. That's why he is not ashamed 
to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Point number three, Christ defeated death and the devil. Christ had to become man so that he might defeat death and the devil. His death, I mean through his death, I'm sorry, Christ had to become man so that he might defeat death and the devil through his death. The Son of Man, or the Son of God, came to help man, not angels. Not angels. He needed to suffer temptation so that he could come to our aid who experienced temptation. He is our merciful and faithful high priest. His death was sufficient for all, but efficient only to those who have faith in him. Not everyone will benefit from his victory because they do not follow him. Now, this is a wonderful thought. There are fallen angels. There are angels who rebelled against God. Like Adam and Eve rebelled against God with the fruit. Yet, God, the word of God, chose to help man instead of angels. He did not die for the angels. He did not redeem the angels. He died for somebody lower than the angels. But God's plan is to set this, this man or, and woman, this species that God created, above all. Such was the plan of God. And he also defeated death and the devil. Uh, verse 14 holds special meaning to me. Let us read verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Mean he became like us, flesh and blood. That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Because the ultimate salvation is what? Not just the soul. In the end, it will also be the body. But we don't see it now here. One day, we believe in the resurrection, where, whether you, wherever your body is, whether it's cremated or you've turned to soil or whatever, uh, it will be rejuvenated, renewed, and you will be given a body like Christ. Christ's body was both glorified yet physical. When he resurrected, people could touch him. Here, touch. And he also ate fish. After his resurrection, he ate fish. So for all of you who love to eat, you can still eat without getting fat. That would be a dream come true to many of us. Uh, but look at this, through his death, that's why he had to die, he had to defeat the devil as a man to save man. Because it was man who had fallen. Man fell. Adam fell, and because of that, spiritual death. No, God had to turn to man, become man, take the form of man, I mean, take the form of man to defeat the devil to redeem us. So it was man who lost it and man who regained it, but not an ordinary man. It is God himself becoming man that he might render power, 
less, powerless. Him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And next verse, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Why slavery? Slave to sin and slave to the fear of death. One thing you'd know, a true believer in the spirit, when they experience this new birth, there is no fear of death in us. Oh, we don't want to die. We're not looking for it, but there is no fear if it is time. Why? We understand what Christ did on the cross. It's just a temporary leave if a loved one goes away. We know we will see each other again. We know we will be reunited once again. Verse 16, For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. 17, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. What is propitiation? It's atonement. It means somebody had to pay for this sin. Somebody had to pay for this debt. And he became the replacement. That's propitiation. That is atonement. Okay? So I have atoned for their sins. Binayaran ko na yung utang niya. Sinagot ko na yung kasalanan niya. That's propitiation. That is atonement. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he suffered, please don't forget. Doesn't mean because he's God, he did not allow himself to suffer. That part, he allowed himself to suffer to experience you and me. He could still command the angels, but he did not because he wanted to suffer it. He had to. So he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So praise God. Whenever you are tempted, humble yourself before him. The way to overcome temptation is not your strong self-will. It's not your sharp mind. Although we appreciate that, and that is well appreciated. You are exercising the fullness of man. But the real answer is humility before Christ. To humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need your strength right now. Because there is a temptation right here. I need your strength. Help me overcome this. Lord, I have these bad habits. I cannot change myself, but by your grace, I want to change and you can change me. And the more you spend time with Christ in the place of prayer, and that's where you will see change. In the same way as you meditate on his word, remember the word sanctifies. The word sanctifies. Without the word, there is no change. That's why if you're lazy with the word, there is no sanctification. No change will happen to you. After 10 years, you're the same person. That's why some people are babies forever. Baby Christian patin. 20 years na. Ganyan pa rin mag-isip. Why? They never study context. What do they listen to? Clichés. Christian clichés. Christian clichés, which is not that accurate. There is some truth, but not that accurate. Earlier today I shared, or yesterday I shared a, a, an article from, from the website of John Piper, Desiring God. Uh, cliche, it's a cliche, happy wife, happy life. That's a cliche, but that's not accurate. There is some truth to it, 
But biblically, it is not that accurate. And it was written in the article, a happy wife and family in Christ. And there's a big difference. When you just make somebody happy and make somebody happy in Christ, which means you find your joy in spiritual obedience to Christ in faith. And that is what I believe would be more accurate. But the phrase alone can lead to what? Passive men, men who don't lead because they just let their wives decide everything, both the minor and the major things. And that does not lead to God's design. Charles Spurgeon encouraged that those who die in Christ will one day rise as well. Therefore, there is no need to fear death. Hey, brothers, no need to fear death. Sisters, no need to fear death, okay? Uh, He conquered death. So Spurgeon said, he took upon himself flesh and blood as to die in our nature. He died in our nature, the man part, that thus he might slay death and might set us free from all fear of death. Do you not see that? If the representative man, Christ Jesus, died, he also rose again, and that so also will all who are in him rise too? If he died as man's representative and he rose again, And scriptures keep saying we will rise with him in due time. Therefore, fear not to lie down in your last sleep. For the trumpet shall awaken you, and your body shall be molded afresh, like into the glorious body, and your soul and body together shall dwell in infinite bliss forever. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Our application, one, look forward to our destiny. By faith, let us look forward to the completion of God's plan for humankind. He planned that the world to come would be subject to man, not angels. However, it is not about all humans, but only those sanctified in Christ. So what the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews was saying is man, meaning those who are sanctified in him. He made that clear in the text. So it's not for all men, but all who are sanctified in him. There were old hymnals that sung about, we shall rule and reign with him. And I love those songs because those are very doctrinal songs founded in scripture. And one hope is not just uh, being saved from hell, but one day we'll, we will administer his kingdom. And take note, that is over all creation, and that would include angels as well. And that's the point of the text. That Christ made man, will make man higher than the angels. That was the implied reasoning of the author. So he was saying to them, hey, angels, we are lower than the angels now, but hey, there will come a time everything will be subject to man, but not just man, man in Christ, in Christ. So please do not compare yourselves. Do not worry if you think you are powerless today and you have nothing and you feel you keep comparing yourself to everybody else that are blessed. Remember, the training program of God is now to all who are sanctified. And the real training is what? Is our attitude, our heart, our faith. Our faith is being tested. And then do we manifest the fruit of the Spirit Do we follow Christ in every way that we can by his grace? And that is a training part. So please stop and stop being beholden of of powerful men and women and, uh, and the rich. 
Do not look up to them, look up to Christ alone. If you want to learn from everybody, there's nothing wrong in learning as long as what you learn from does not go against the teachings of Christ himself and the teachings of the Holy Scripture. I'm not saying it's wrong to learn from others, but I'm saying we don't look up to them, we only look up to Christ alone. If we respect others because the Bible says we should respect, why do we honor dignitaries and men in position? Because the Bible said so. But beyond that, we have no fleshly desire. There is no inordinate affection because we like the things of the world. The world should fade from our minds and we should focus on Christ. Yet we are in the world. So what do we do? Then we have to function as citizens of the world according to Scripture. But not forgetting that we are first citizens of heaven. Second application, I would say, let's offer thanksgiving for God's mercy. Let us offer thanksgiving to God about his suffering, death, and resurrection. Christ is from God. If our lives are set apart for God, then we are born of God, not of men. Christ calls us brothers and sisters. Please desire this, that we would be born of God. And how will it happen? You have to call on God yourself. You have to call on his name from the depths of your heart. I will not give you words to say, just follow this and you are saved. That's crazy. But what I will tell you, go on your knees and from the depths of your heart, call on him and you will not be disappointed and he will save you. But if you are insincere and you just want to come to him for the benefits alone, then that is insincere. You come to him because of him, because of Christ himself, not just because he can save you, but because he is God, the son of God, because he is our creator, because of who he is, not because he can make your life better. And that preaching is terrible. Just come to him and you will have no more worries. No, you are commanded not to worry. That doesn't mean you will not have problems. Some people say, you will have no more worries. No, you're commanded never to worry, not to worry, but seek the kingdom first. That's why you should have no worries. But that doesn't mean it's a trouble-free life. Anybody who preaches that way is not preaching the accurate gospel. So if somebody preached to you, come to Christ, and everything's going to be okay, that is inaccurate. What is accurate, everything's going to be okay for your soul. But here on earth, we might suffer. We might suffer in his name. And number three, no fear of death in Christ. Trust in him, our high priest who intercedes for us and helps us when we face temptation. Let us understand that he defeated death and the devil. Praise God. Christ defeated death and the devil through his death. Take note, you will not defeat the devil. He defeated the devil. I want that to be clear because that's why we, we pray in his name. He's the victor. He was the one who suffered. We're not the ones who suffered like him. He was the one who suffered. And even if you suffer, you suffer in his name. Now, if you still, still fear death, then you must come to Christ with sincerity for Christ to remove that fear of death. If you still fear the devil, then have faith in scripture. Don't fear the devil. Don't pick a fight either, okay? <laughs> I say, come on, devil, come on, come on. Okay, don't pick a fight either. Oh. The book of Jude, the letter of Jude, guides us carefully that they don't even, you know, 
Anyway, read it yourself. But they did not revile the devil as we are being taught today in many churches. And I was victim of that teaching as well. And I was guilty as well of that. So allow me to fix that. That if you read the epistles, follow exactly what they say, and you will not end up with our modern Christianity. Many parts of our modern Christianity, which we think are okay because it's been done by so many people, doesn't mean it is scriptural. That's why we encourage you, line by line, context by context, we run through the scriptures. What we don't see there, let it go. What we see there, that's priority. And you shall live free, and you will not fear the devil. What if the devil shows up? Have you seen the devil? Maybe some of us have. You're very special. You see, there's so few billion people in the world, and he chose you. Amazing. There must be something really special about you that I don't see. Uh, but the devil sees you special. So if ever you experience, but does that mean there's no, no spiritual warfare? There is. There is. But we were told to pray, to conquer them. Okay? And that is a discussion on Ephesians chapter 6 about the full armor of God. And, uh, we are, and the real offensive against the enemy is the gospel of Christ, the word of God. And what? Our prayer and our prayer. So Christ calls all men to repent. We must heed the call because if you repent, you will not fear death and the devil. Why? The new birth assures you that you are a spiritual being now, not just a physical being. That you have a spiritual life and that is not the same as anybody on earth. That makes you different. That makes you unique. You unique. That makes you what? Partakers of the divine. No, you are not gods, but partakers of the divine. What does that mean? We experience God himself within us. It is not a philosophical thought. It is an experienced life. This new heart is an experienced thing. And it's not even an emotional experience, although emotions might add to it. But there is really a change within. That's why I do believe that change can happen now. Through what? Through the power of the Spirit through the power of the gospel of Christ. You have a destiny. We have a destiny in Christ. And that destiny is not to achieve your human goals. But I'm not saying do not achieve anything on earth. I'm not saying that. I'm saying be a good influence on this earth. And if you learn, study, and experience some level of success, use that for the glory of God. But that is not the ultimate because the earth, the people of the earth, and the gurus, success gurus, make, will make you think that that is the ultimate. If you have that, you will be happy. But such a joke, the concept of the pursuit of happiness, please do not pursue happiness, pursue Christ. Because the emotions is a, is a very strange thing. You think if you have something, you'll be happy. Many of us have experienced this. Once we get it, then you're no longer happy. Then you want something else. Then you get it. Then you're no longer happy. Why? You get tired of it. Then you realize it was overrated. Then you try another again. And it does not end. Such is the complexity of the human emotions. Never satisfied. Why? Only God can satisfy the human soul. Only Him. If you try this earth, there is nothing. That's why you come to God because of God. You come to Christ because of Christ. And the destiny of us is not until we die. It is beyond that. It is beyond that. It is in the kingdom far ahead, 
far from this place, or let's just say far from this time. But only God knows how close or how far. It is just my opinion, but then sometimes human opinion does not matter. What matters is, and is for sure, it will come. It will come. If you die or he comes, it will come. But let it come. I share to you, again, a piece of literature that I wrote after the sermon, Man's Destiny in Christ. Hebrews revealed with clarity. See God's plan, man's destiny. To rule the world to come for him. Man truly blessed beyond the brim. Certain angels disobeyed you. Man did the same, that is so true. Your justice prevails over both, but your grace only one shall clothe. Not for angels, but for lost men. Therefore, with joy we say, Amen. We are fallen and unworthy, but you found a way for mercy. Yet today we must clarify, the gospel no one should defy. Be warned, not all men shall be saved for all men for sure are depraved. So when you hear the call to faith, heed now what the scripture saith. For oh, why should you risk your soul? Why defy the Son, Lord of all? Let us all rise and let us pray. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We thank you that in, in a small part of, of this letter, you put something about us, something we never knew, we never saw. Who are we that you are mindful of us? We were no one, depraved, fallen, given to our base desires, unworthy in all aspects. Who are we that you are mindful of us? And such is the greatness of our God. Such is the mercy through Christ. And such is the amazing grace through Him. Without purpose, without direction. Fallen to our obsession. But the new birth changed that. The new heart transformed us. by your grace alone. So I pray, I pray for all of us here who have not called on you from the depths of their hearts. May they call on the name of the Lord, not through fictitious repetition of prayer, but from prayer deep within the call of the heart. From the depths of us, we say, Lord, Christ, forgive me. 
I repent of my sins. I trust in you alone. We acknowledge, Lord, salvation is your work alone, and we, we can do nothing to earn it. So we pray, call everyone here to your home. Allow, allow everyone to experience the new birth, to be born of the Father, to be born from above. We want to belong to you and to you alone. Bless this church community. May we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that through him is grace, that through his death it is sufficient to defeat the devil and to defeat death. And through him is the way to belong to the family of God. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Amen. That is good.